210. That's roughly the number of times I've been called brown sugar by strangers on the internet. 115 is the number of times I've been told by white men that they've never had Indian before. 514 DMs in total that I can find that say that I am a coolie bitch when I've rejected their advances. Good day and welcome to the Bipolar Feminist. Today we're talking about the fetishization and exotification of South Asian or Indian women. Trigger warning. While this is a broad overview, this episode makes specific mention of racial and gender trauma stemming from fetishism and perceived sexual dominance. Disclaimer. I talk about Indian or South Asian women and not femmes or gender diverse people. This is on purpose, as there are other sets of issues that femmes and gender diverse people face that will not be delved into here today. The exploration of human sexuality is as diverse as it is complex, transcending cultural boundaries and norms. In recent years, discussions around fetishes have gained prominence in the discourse of attraction and sexuality, sometimes challenging societal taboos and encouraging a more open dialogue. Among the various perspectives, one intriguing aspect is the emergence of fetishes among Indian women, a topic fraught with complexities misconceptions, and cultural influences. In the complex landscape of gender, ethnicity, and sexuality, the experiences of Indian women are multifaceted and often fraught with challenges. Among these challenges, one particularly disconcerting issue is the sexualization of us based on race. This phenomenon highlights the intricate interplay between cultural stereotypes, historical biases, and the objectification of women casting a spotlight on the urgent need for awareness, dialogue, and change. A fetish can be described as a strong sexual attraction or fixation towards a particular object, body part, or scenario that isn't inherently sexual. While fetishes are by no means limited to any specific gender, culture, or community, they can manifest differently based on individual experiences and societal factors. The diversity of fetishes is as vast as the human imagination itself, ranging from common interests like lingerie, role-playing, and DS dynamics to more unconventional desires. Fetishization occurs when individuals are reduced to their racial identity, becoming objects of sexual attraction based solely on ethnicity or race. This is an unsettling aspect of racial sexualization that Indian women often encounter. In the realm of fetish communities, some individuals specifically seek out partners from particular racial backgrounds, objectifying and dehumanizing them in the process. This not only disregards the complexity of individual identities, but also reduces them to mere caricatures. In the culturally rich and diverse ethnicity that is South Asian, conversations surrounding sexuality can be sensitive due to deeply rooted cultural norms and conservative values. Historically, Discussions about sexual preferences, desires, and orientations have been kept behind closed doors, contributing to the limited understanding of fetishes among the general population. However, increased exposure to global perspectives has slowly begun to challenge these norms, fostering a more open discourse on sexuality. The sexualization of South Asian or Indian women often stems from cultural stereotypes that portray them as exotic and submissive. These stereotypes have deep historical roots, influenced by colonial narratives 
and Western perceptions of the Oriental other. One should read Edward Said for expansion on this. With Indian women, there has become this construction of being for others, and especially being an exotic fetish for the white man. There's little imagination of Indian women outside the binary subservient or overtly sexual in a domineering way. To get with the Indian woman is to conquer the innocent, much like colonialism sought to dominate and conquer the supposed savage or untouched lands over which it wreaked havoc. The portrayal of Indian women in media, literature, and art as mysterious and alluring perpetuates an image that objectifies and oversimplifies our identities, reducing us to mere symbols of desire. Stereotypes dissolve any requirement to take certain people seriously or to empathize with them, and thus, we as Indian women, become sexual objects and objects of desire for all the wrong reasons. Not for the people we are, but for the attributes we possess as people who are seen as other than the ideological norm, which is white. I have deep, dark skin. It's taken me a long time to love the skin I'm in, and despite my not being conventionally attractive, I know that the Western beauty standards ascribed to us are nonsense. But back then, I looked at these images of beautiful, fair-skinned women and wished I could be as pretty as them. There were layers to it, of course. On one hand, the white women who graced every billboard, such as Claudia Schiffer and Sidney Crawford, and the women on the screen, like Kajal and Madhuri Dixit. The white women were often seen as the pinnacle of what it means to be beautiful, based on an arbitrary set of values, applied to appearance, to be regarded as beautiful, or to rightly fit into any community. As the beauty standards of whiteness are seen as universally acceptable, the Indian actresses and models were seen as exotic. My view of myself was exotified, and I often found myself pandering to that for the white male gaze. There was a time when I loved the attention I got from white men. I was deeply attracted to them and what being with them meant for me. As an older teen or young adult, I thought being with white men elevated my status from being a permanent foreigner in the country I was born, always less than. Being with the white man made me feel more accepted into whiteness, even though I didn't know that what I was feeling was internalized racism. I felt chosen and different from those other brown kids who stuck within their racialized social groups. It was the ultimate validation, my key to accessing the status and the world that I never thought I could be part of. I played into white men's exotification and fetishization of myself. I believed that was my power, to be accepted in a world of whiteness that would never accept me otherwise. It took a long time for me to understand, admit, and unlearn this internalized oppression. I can't help but feel a little bit disgusted when I reflect on some of my past dating experiences, now knowing that I was playing right into the hands of white supremacy. I realized I was unclear on whether I was supposed to exist and for whom. I joke about it now that I have a colonizer kink, but it really is a joke. Contemporary media, including film, television, and advertising, play a significant role in shaping societal perceptions. Unfortunately, the portrayal of Indian women in media frequently perpetuates this racial stereotype, reinforcing objectification. Characters are often confined to roles that play into these preconceived notions of ethnicity, further solidifying these biases in the public consciousness. Bollywood, India's prolific film industry, 
wield significant influence over culture and societal norms. However, even that is not immune to perpetuating harmful stereotypes and contributes to the sexualization of Indian women. Often, Bollywood movies feature scenes and songs that emphasize our bodies and reinforce traditional gender roles through religion and other facets of Indian society. I wrote about this in my master's thesis. The portrayal of women as objects of desire, with an emphasis on physical attributes, not only reinforces societal biases, but also fuels the subjectification. More so, the prevalence of these item numbers and provocative dance sequences often serve to sensationalize women's sexuality, reducing them to mere eye candy for the audience. For elaboration on this, read Laura Mulvey. To an Indian audience, it's a reinforcement of those traditional gender roles, but to a Western audience, it plays into the exotification and fetish factor, which reduces women like Ashwarya Rai Bachchan, who is often referred to as the most beautiful woman in the world, to the sum of their parts. While Bollywood has the power to shape perceptions and drive social change, there is a growing need for more responsible storytelling that respects women's agency, intellect, and individuality. It's starting to happen, but the change is really slow, and the Indian movie censors really stand in the way of progress. The digital age has brought new dimensions to the sexualization of Indian women. Online spaces can be breeding grounds for harassment and objectification, where anonymous individuals perpetuate harmful narratives. Indian women, like women from any other BIPOC background, are disproportionately targeted with racially charged comments, explicit messages, and even threats, highlighting the intersection between racism and sexism in the virtual realm. A lot of the time, the messages I spoke about at the beginning are coupled with really, really harmful threats that we kind of have to take seriously. The messages I've received are just a small taste of what we receive daily. Actress Deepika Padukone has been a victim of online harassment to which she has fought back by exposing abusers. However, she has the protection of her celebrity status. Not many are relatively so lucky. The sexualization of Indian women based on race takes a toll on mental health and self-esteem. Constant exposure to derogatory remarks, stereotypes, and objectifying content can lead to feelings of dehumanization, alienation, and diminished self-worth. This impact reverberates in both personal and professional spheres, limiting opportunities and hindering self-empowerment. And then we have racialized pornography. On one hand, pornography has the potential to expand and transform the standards of what is beautiful, desirable, and pleasurable, to include those supposedly at the bottom of the ranks of racialized and gendered hierarchies. However, pornography makes use of race always at the risk of reinforcing patriarchal and racist standards of desire. These risks and rewards represent the double-edged sword of pornography's critical role in shaping sexuality. Racialized porn has always been present, and it goes back a long way, where exotic entertainers would be paid either more or less, depending on whether or how well they fit into the white version of what race or ethnicity should look like. People see the most topical or typical feature of the othered person that stands out, such as Indian skin color, dark hair, or whatever the case may be. Historic references and casual conversations will reinforce this. The meme perpetuates itself. Even when you logically reject or scrutinize it, it's there. Indian women, despite the overarching pigeonholing of innocence and demureness, 
are turned into a kink when we are seen as the oriental other. The way casting in media works is the normal or default roles go to white people, while people of other colors are always there for a reason, a category on a website, or to fulfill a fantasy that for the viewer has not been realized. Racism and its closest friend, colorism, both run rampant in porn, hand in hand, probably skipping. In the same way, performers strategically wait for the most beneficial time to do anal. Lighter performers reserve the opportunity for doing their first interracial scene while usually banking on extra money for that booking. But black performers and those with darker skin, working with white or lighter performance is part of the job. It goes without saying and without extra pay. I can't even imagine the outrage if a performer of color outright said they don't fuck anybody white, but it's commonplace for white performers not to do interracial scenes. As we as Indian women gain more agency over our lives and bodies, the narrative surrounding fetishes is shifting. With the growth of feminist movements and discussion around body positivity, some women are finding empowerment and self-expression in embracing sexual desires, including fetishes. The ability to explore fantasies can be seen as a reclamation of bodies and desires, challenging the conventional role of women as passive objects of desire. While challenges are substantial, Indian women are actively pushing back against racial sexualization. Social media platforms have become avenues for reclaiming narratives and sharing diverse stories that counter harmful stereotypes. Discussions about intersectionality, gender and race are gaining momentum, fostering a sense of solidarity and promoting a more nuanced understanding of Indian women's experiences. It's crucial to address the misconceptions and stigmas that persist around fetishes, both globally and within the Indian context. One common myth is that embracing a fetish is indicative of a psychological disorder, which is often far from the truth. Most individuals with fetishes lead healthy, productive lives and engage in consensual relationships. Additionally, a fetish does not define an individual entirely. It's just one facet of complex personality traits. Sexuality is part of all our lives, whether we love it or are ambivalent towards it, or don't want to participate in it at all. It can be a tremendous, life-giving source of physical and emotional pleasure, of which we should not be deprived of, should we wish to participate in it. Open communication and mutual consent are essential in any intimate relationship, which is no different when discussing fetishes. Partners who can openly converse about their desires, boundaries, and fantasies can foster healthier relationships built on trust and understanding. However, it's important to note that not all individuals feel comfortable sharing their fetishes, and that's perfectly okay too. In preparation for this episode, I asked previous partners of other races whether my being Indian was a factor in their attraction to me, and only one said no, with no other qualifications. A white man with whom my relationship was entirely online. Another white presenting indigenous man said my race was not a factor, but he would rightfully be suspicious of white women from my country, given our history. So my being a woman of color had a hand in his attraction to me. All others had a range of responses, varying on the spectrum from intrigue to full-on fetishism. While disappointing, it was not unexpected. Dating while brown is quite simply a shit show. The majority of my opening messages while dating were about my race. I'd seen primarily white friends automatically swipe left on a weird name on a dating app, and 
I fully knowing that I have a weird name. I was concerned. I believed if I wanted to date, I had to put up with a certain amount of racialized nonsense. Finding somebody with no preconceived ideas is impossible, be it white people entrenched in their whiteness or people of color with the same internalized racism I'm still having to shake. I figured it was a question of what I'd put up with in exchange for a modicum of something resembling love. Younger me assumed that this was par for the course. Current me knows the reality, but now I have the strength to challenge it, even if I do engage. Consensually, of course. And then there's the issue of sexual violence against South Asian women that stems from colonialism and racism. Popular media continues to perpetuate racial stereotypes, particularly about women of color, portraying black women as promiscuous and indigenous and Asian women as submissive, and basically all women of color as inferior, legitimizes sexual abuse. Portraying men of color as sexually voracious and preying on innocent white women reinforces a cultural obsession with racial stranger rape at the expense of the vastly more common interracial acquaintance rape and abuse. Rape was an important tool in white colonists' violent efforts to repress indigenous nations. During slavery and colonialism, men of all races raped women of color with impunity. In the U.S., after the Civil War and during Reconstruction, white mobs lynched numerous black men based on trumped-up charges of sexual assault of white women, and the specter of lynching terrorized the black community. When it came to South Asia, the same was applied to Indian women and men, where Indian men were seen as the aggressors, Indian women as the prize, and white men were free to take what they wanted from the supposed violent Indian men. Fetishism, when consensual, is a wonderful aspect of sexuality that can have pleasurable benefits for all involved. But fetishism based on race is never consensual, nor is it pleasurable for everyone involved. When it comes to Indian women, yes, there are fetishes in which we engage, but by and large, these do not involve the exotification of our race or ethnicity for the pleasure of the white man that functions solely to solidify white privilege and white supremacy. I will not get into the power dynamics of reparations play or other BDSM play here, but note that these do exist and function differently. Non-consensual fetishism is always a no from me. The emergence of discussions around fetishism among Indian women signals a broader societal shift towards a more open understanding of human sexuality. As women continue to challenge these societal norms, embracing desires and exploring sexuality, it's crucial for society to provide a safe and accepting space for these conversations. By dispelling myths, promoting consent and communication, and encouraging education, a more inclusive and informed perspective on fetishes can be cultivated, one that respects individual autonomy and diversity while challenging outdated stereotypes. The sexualization of Indian women based on race is a deeply rooted and complex issue that requires sustained attention and collective action. To address this problem, a multifaceted approach is necessary, including media literacy, initiatives, cultural sensitivity training, and legal measures against online harassment. As society becomes more conscious of the harm caused by racial sexualization, the hope is that conversations will evolve, fostering an environment where Indian women and all women are seen as multidimensional individuals deserving of respect, dignity, and empowerment. Thank you for listening. A bit of good news on this end, The Bipolar Feminist has been voted the number one gender studies podcast 
and the number seven BIPOC feminist podcast of 2023 by Feedspot. I would like to extend a heartfelt thank you to my patrons for their patience and support, despite the erratic posting, and for their continued support that makes this podcast possible. A huge thank you to Dresden, to Ross, again, James, Christopher, NJ, and Timothy, among others, for their input into this episode. Your contributions have been valuable and are much appreciated. See you next week.